Hi, I'm Amanda, and it is what it is. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to It Is What It Is. I really hope that, um, I don't know, this <laughs> recording, just me by myself and posting a video of me by myself feels a little weird, but this is how we get used to it. This is why we started a YouTube channel. Anyway, I hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, maybe you're listening to this episode as you travel home from somewhere. I probably will be when I listen to it later. I am, uh, recording this the day before Thanksgiving. Tomorrow, we're going to have dinner with my boyfriend's family. And then the day after that, we're going to head to Florida to have second Thanksgiving and um, fellowship with uh, his best friend and his best friend's family. Um, it'll be different from the Thanksgivings of the past. It has always been a really big deal in my family, a really big holiday. And uh, we've had this long running tradition that we lovingly call Bakerama, where we bake a massive amount of Christmas cookies the weekend immediately following Thanksgiving. So we have Thanksgiving on Thursday and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday we bake. And um, it's a tradition that my mom and my Aunt Peggy started over 30 years ago. And it's something that we've continued since my aunt passed. We would bake all weekend and then divide everything up on Sunday and um, put everything in a tin or a Tupperware and freeze them until closer to Christmas. And then we'd send them to friends and family and take a tray of cookies to work or Christmas party or put them on the table at Christmas. And um, I won't be there this year. I understand that is a circumstance of my own choosing, but I can't continue to have relationships and contact with my family when nothing has changed. And I can't continue to ignore, or not continue to ignore, but I can't ignore the multiple violations that have occurred since I put a contact boundary in place. And I can't show up and put on a happy face and pretend that nothing has happened. Um, to do that would be to abandon myself and what I need. And I'm really trying not to do that anymore. So with all that being said, that doesn't mean I can't also be sad about it. Even though I put the no contact in place and even though I'm choosing to not go, despite being invited, I will say. Um, again, doesn't mean I can't be sad about it. Remember, more than one thing can be true at once. It's my favorite thing to say. Um, I'm grieving for sure. And you know, grief has hit me randomly over the past several weeks. I'm sure it will continue to hit me over the next few days. Um, and I'm trying to make room for that grief to be present. I am 
trying to lean on my support system. I'm trying to, um, I guess, take advantage of the opportunity to make my own traditions. I, I went searching on Pinterest for like an hour the other day to try and find some of these cookie recipes. And I, I found, found the ones that I would want to have mostly. Um, but, uh, you know, I was considering like baking all weekends or, you know, baking before Christmas and doing the same thing, but, um, for what, you know, like, I'm sure my boyfriend would be happy to help me and would be present. Um, but I, it's not the same, you know, and, um, maybe it's something I'll revisit when I have kids of my own, but, um, it's a lot of work <laughs> and, um, yeah, I've, I've gone back and forth on that. I think I'm, I'm happy to have the recipes or at least as close as I could possibly have. And maybe I'll make them sometimes individually and not like all of them at once. But, um, I don't think I'm going to be doing that this year. And, um, so yeah, also just because I feel sad having made this decision doesn't mean that I made the wrong decision. Um, just like when I left my ex-husband or just like when I left my career as a PO. Um, anyway, that's not what this episode is about. I just wanted to be open and honest about where I'm at. And I want you to know and myself to know that it's okay to be grieving during the holidays and, um, you know, try to be with whatever comes up. Um, so yeah, with that, let's get into the book pool so we can move into what this episode is really about. Fresh piece I can now show you because I'm doing videos. This is what it is. Fresh piece, probably backwards actually now that I'm thinking about it, but you get it. Let's see. Okay. Should read it out loud, right? <laughs> Not to myself. Serving the suffering of others is a great cure for loneliness. Compassion has a way of tearing down the walls of our home and letting the whole world in. A simple, genuine smile for a stranger will do. The soul warmth offered in return from that instantly softened face and those brightened eyes is like striking up a divine friendship. A meaningful sense of connection, real enough that we want to pour tea with it and stay up all night talking like inebriated philosophers. Reach out and find yourself reached into. This is the divine reciprocity and mutuality of caring. Sing to the world the very song you want sung to you. Uh, I think that's great. I think um, that's very fitting for what I'm about to talk about. And so let me just tell you what that is. Uh, I really enjoyed the last episode that came out, which was the one that I did about boundaries with Cami Orange. I hope you enjoyed it too, obviously. Uh, I have done a lot of thinking since then and even came up in some of my step work the other week. I realized that as much as I have practiced setting and maintaining boundaries, I haven't clearly defined what my values are or what they have been. And that conversation with Cami really gave me the inspiration and the permission to reflect on them 
them to think about what they want, what I want them to be now. So um, a few days after I recorded my that episode, I found myself in an ACA meeting. And in this particular meeting, we cycle through different topics each week. So um, one of the topics that we cycle through is the ACA schematic. And I'm not going to go into what that is uh, in much detail, but I will put it, I will put a link to it in the show notes in case someone is interested and wants to read more. But it's basically a way of um, conceptualizing and navigating the recovery process. And part of this process are is the, um, the six essential recovery tasks. And those are um, recognition, recollection, disobedience, retaliation, separation, and independence. And in the meeting the other night, we talked about the third task, which is disobedience. And so here's what the schematic says about this. This is, this is directly from it. Um, disobedience. The basic belief in a traumatizing family is that we practice and support, is that the practice and support of destructive behavior by adults should be tolerated and accepted without protest by children. Children are threatened, punished, and coerced into keeping the adult's behavior secret. They also incorporate the adult's dissociative and destructive patterns into their own being. Disobedience includes breaking these habits of avoidance and denial and relinquishing our beliefs about maintaining destructive behavior. This may require detoxification from addiction to exogenous, is that how you pronounce that? Substances and the deconditioning of habitual body tension and cognitive hypervigilance. The main task is to disobey irrational authority by challenging the belief that we need to continue these behaviors. And um, this uh, requires a lot of courage, takes baby steps. This is, this is also directly from the thing. Um, and then invoke experiences where speaking our truth results in respect and strength other than punishment and shame, um, which is what I'm doing today. It's what I'm doing with this podcast. Um, it has certainly resulted in strength for me. Um, and, and respect for myself, honestly. Um, yeah. So after this meeting, I realized that it wasn't just that I haven't clearly defined what my values are but I also haven't identified the values that were instilled in me and um, thought about how those affected me and decided whether or not I wanted to hold on to them. And I realized that this process was part of my disobedience task. Um, so I made an inventory using a list of common values that I found on the internet and uh, identify the values that were instilled in me uh, either by my upbringing, society, whatever. And um, these are the values that I have op been operating with for most of my life. And I thought about them and how they affected me and what I wanted to ditch. So then I used that same list of common values to decide what my values are now. And um, making this list was healing in and of itself. But I think that speaking to it out loud on this platform is really going to hammer that healing home. And the more I consciously make decisions and set boundaries based on this list, the more I will integrate all of it. And so now I have this list and it's sort of like the non-negotiable list I made for my future partner that I've mentioned before on here, except this is like the list of non-negotiables for my life. Um, 
So I'm going to start with the values uh, that have been the values of the past. Um, and again, these are these are largely informed by my upbringing, but some of them have a societal influence as well. So um, some of these I'll expand on more. Let me just do it. You'll see what I do. Uh, number one is achievement and accomplishment. Number two, commitment. No quitting. Seeing all of your commitments through, even if it's detrimental to your mental health. Um, I think especially this uh, manifested in adulthood through my relationships, my romantic relationships, uh, staying committed to people who were detrimental for my mental health. Uh, especially my marriage like I had a lot of uh, shame around giving up and um that I abandoned him and uh you know marriage is forever blah 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 whatever um number three excellence perfection mistakes are not okay especially if they make somebody else look bad um, the things I wore, the way I behaved and presented myself, those things were seen as a reflection of the family. Um, so being my best self at all times, um, even though my best self was not de de uh, defined or constructed by me. Number four, family. Family was certainly important. I'm very grateful for that. I spent the first half of my childhood, um, the majority of my childhood, even surrounded by family, especially extended family. Um, everybody came for birthdays. We were here and there and everywhere for holidays. And remember, more than one thing can be true at once. This is also where that um, quote, practice and support of destructive behavior by adults should be tolerated and accepted without protest by the children where that piece comes in uh family first but I didn't learn that I didn't have to tolerate their behavior if they were behaving in destructive ways um number five is fun we did have fun we had a lot of really wonderful experiences that I'm really grateful for and if I had a dollar for every time I heard something to the effect of, this is how you treat me after everything I've done for you, I would have several dollars. Um, yeah, when those, when those experiences uh, and the ways that I was privileged, um, are, are thrown back in, at me in a way of, uh, um, how do I want to say what I want to say? Uh, negating any of my concerns or objections or things that have upset me. Like, I shouldn't be upset about those things because look, of all, look at all those things that you have. Um, number six, hard work. Anything worth having requires hard work. Nothing should come easy. Um, I've done a lot of thinking about this one in particular, and I think I have a habit of making things more difficult for myself than they really need to be either by 
procrastinating or overthinking. Um, and I think I have believed that I have to struggle and maybe even suffer to get the things that I want and need. Number seven, honesty and integrity, kind of. Uh, it was certainly instilled in me to be honest with my parents and other authority figures, but that same honesty and transparency was not necessarily reciprocated and didn't seem to apply to everybody, especially within the family system. It was, it was muddy. Uh, humor. I'm funny. We're, my family's funny. And humor has been used as a coping mechanism, which is fine. Um, but also showing love by talking shit to each other. Uh, knowledge and learning. Never stop learning. This is one I can totally get behind. I would just say or add that there are many ways to learn. And learning by doing and learning through having experiences is important to me. Um, and not just important to me, but like that's the best way for me to learn. Um like if someone is like showing me something on a screen or reading me something from somewhere, like it's, it's hard for me to process that. Um, it's better for me to like be hands-on. Uh, number 10, obedience, obey authority figures. Do not question the decisions that are being made, even if they affect me and do not express any sort of discontent with the way that things are. Um, this is another one that I've spent extra time thinking about, especially after the meeting about disobedience. Um, of course, when you are a child, uh, there are decisions that you cannot and should not make for yourself. But I think that this has caused me to ultimately um, follow and pedestalize authority figures that did not have good intentions. Um, and I never learned how to be my own authority never learned that the only person who knows best for me is me and um I never really learned how to listen to my own instincts and the things that my body were trying to tell me like even things like hunger cues um you know uh, my mom would always say that it was her job to save us and us I mean myself and my siblings to save us from ourselves until we were adults and as an adult, I have struggled to trust myself. I've struggled to believe that I'm capable of making decisions for myself. I have struggled to believe that I'm capable of um, making good decisions for myself or what, you know, struggling with whether or not I made the right decision and um, considering what other people would think about my decision and considering the wants and needs of others before I considered my own. Um, number 11, productivity and success. Um, I think that my product productivity and self-worth or my worth, not my worth, my productivity and my worth have been like this, uh, hand in hand and finger in finger is what I did. <laughs> so you're not watching the video. Uh, I know now that I am worthy simply because I exist, but this is something I really struggle with. Um, even saying it then, there was part of my body that was like, mm, do you know? Uh, I struggle with feeling like I'm not enough, especially when I feel like I'm not doing enough or contributing enough or whatever. 
Um, and you know, I've accomplished a lot of things and those are things that I'm proud of. And I appreciate the recognition of those, um, accomplishments. And I didn't really hear that anyone was proud of me for anything outside of my accomplishments. And I felt like support was contingent on me continuing to be successful. And like the same vibe wasn't present when I was at my worst or when I made a mistake or, um, or when like I would decide that I didn't want to do something. Um, number 12, professionalism. No visible tattoos or piercings on your face. Neutral nail colors. And this this evolved over time. I mean, everybody in my family now has a tattoo in a visible place. Uh, except maybe my stepdad. Um, anyway, this, this has evolved over time. Um, and certainly professionalism has a time and a place, but it has it really stifled my own personal expression. Um, when I moved from New Jersey to North Carolina, when I was in middle school, I was bullied for several things. One of them was my accent. I used to say water instead of water. Uh, but another one of those things was the way that I dressed. Uh, I found out later that the kids used to call me the president's daughter. Whatever that means. Kids suck. Wow. <laughs> kids are mean. Um, and I can also remember asking my mom she would feel if I got my nose pierced. This was This was like way before um pierced my nose like two years ago three years ago she told me that it was stupid and that the first thing that anyone would ever notice about me was that I had a hole in my nose and that it didn't matter what I accomplished or who I really was that they would just see me as a girl who put a hole in her nose and here I am at 30 years old with visible tattoos and a hole in my nose and um I just recently got an amazing job I interviewed for that job with a nose ring in. Um, I was told that for my references, when they called my last two supervisors, they both said that they would hire me back in an instant and they wish I never left. And they remembered my work and my contributions and not the hole in my nose. Uh, and honestly, if someone wants to judge me because I have a hole in my nose, I mean, I have three holes in my nose. Uh, but if someone wants to judge me based on that and not who I am as a person, like, why would I even waste time? Um, number 13, silence. What happens in the family stays in the family. We have an image to maintain. Uh, don't tell this person that I said that. Uh, I had <clears throat> a lot of break. I had an experience where my mom called me, I think I was in college to talk to me about the possibility of my stepdad adopting me. I'm, I'm pretty sure my concept of time is fucked, but I'm pretty sure at this point he had already adopted my brother and sister. Um, either way, I struggled with this idea of him adopting me since it first came up. And I felt like it was a betrayal to my dad. Um, and after conversation with my mom, I, I talked to him about it. And my mom blew up on me for telling him about our conversation and you know to be fair she did tell me not to tell him but my position was that if he wanted to adopt me he should talk to me about it and you know I've mentioned before that I 
was a pretty angry and unapproachable teenager. And that certainly carried over into adulthood. So I'm sure it wasn't easy for him to or anyone to approach me about anything, let alone that. Um, I just felt like it wasn't a conversation that my mom and I should be having. I felt like it was something that he and I should talk about. And uh, that's not the first time that something like this has happened. Um, And it got to the point where my response was essentially that if someone has something they want to talk to me about, they should talk to me. And until they do, like, I'm not going to address it. Uh, so, you know, silence, secrecy, again, that lack of transparency. Um, the last thing I want to say is not really a value in itself, uh, but I was raised in a conservative family and I think that someone's political affiliation informs their values, what's important to them, who and what they vote for and support. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So before I move on to my new list, I want to be clear that no one handed me a list of those things that I just mentioned and said, these are your values, act accordingly. Uh, You'll see that some of them even, you know, transfer over to my new list, although in a different form. Um, But this, this is just me speaking about my own experience. So... Uh, perhaps someone else in my family experienced differently and that's okay but this is this is what I experienced this was my takeaway and I don't think that any of these things that I just mentioned are fundamentally bad Uh, I just think the way that they've manifested has not been great and certainly not all of them have had a negative impact um and I do I do have good and happy memories so anyway I reflected on all that. I came up with that list. And then I asked myself, what do I want my values to be now? Who I am now? And this is what I've come up with so far. And I think that this list will evolve and change as I do the same. Number one, accountability. I want to be able to take about accountability for my actions, my choices, and myself. I want to surround myself with others who do the same. Number two, authenticity. I want to make space for myself and others to live in their most authentic expression. I want to be patient and loving to myself and others as we figure out what our most authentic expression is. Number three, balance. I want to have balance in my life, work and play, rest and mindful movement, connection and alone time. I'm going to add some more to that later, probably. Number four, communication. I want to communicate openly and honestly with those in my life. And, uh, when I, you know, when I have a need or an issue rather than ignoring it and not saying anything and letting resentment build until there's an eventual blow up. Um, I want to allow space for all parties involved to be seen and heard. I want to listen to understand and not to respond. I want to use communication as an opportunity to learn about myself and others. Number five, compassion. I want to be empathetic and understanding of the struggles, both known and unknown, of myself and others. I want to acknowledge how hard it is to grow into change and give myself and others grace as that occurs. Number six, equality. I want to support and defend equal opportunity, equal access, equal rights, and equal treatment for all people. I want to speak up when others are being mistreated. I want to do the work to acknowledge, examine, and correct my own prejudicial beliefs and behavior so I can be part of the solution and not the problem. 
Number seven, exploration. I want to explore myself and the world around me, regardless of what others might think. I want to learn new things about myself and the world around me as I explore and be open to new ways of doing things. I want to learn by doing. I want to be aware of how my behavior affects me and those around me. I want to do the work to change my harmful behaviors and to be open to feedback from others to help me do that when I ask for it. I want to be able to change my mind or to do something different when I get new information. I want to be able to move outside my comfort zone. I want to adapt because I want to, not because I have to. Number eight, family and friendship. I want to define what family means to me, understanding it doesn't always include the people who are related to me by blood. I want to be a good friend to others, offering my presence and support when I can. I want quality over quantity when it comes to who is in my inner circle. I want my people to feel loved and supported by me, and I want the same from them. Number nine, fun slash play. Uh, I can't remember exactly what Cammie said, but she said something to the effect of there can never be too much play, too much fun. I want fun and play to be present in my day as often as possible. I want to stay in touch with my child parts, my creative and imaginative parts, my silly and quote immature parts. Number 10, honesty and integrity. I want to be honest with myself and others, even when the truth is hard to hear. I no longer wish to make excuses, tell white lies, or be passive aggressive to avoid saying what I really want to say or express what I really need. Number 11, service. I want to be of service when I can, understanding that being of service to others doesn't always look the same. Sometimes it means doing service in ACA, in a meeting. Sometimes it means putting out another podcast episode. And sometimes it means accepting others that they are as they are and not trying to change them. And last, number 12, safety and security. I want to protect myself from harm and avoid situations that I know will be physically, mentally, or emotionally harmful. I want peace to be the predom my predominant state of being. I want to lay down my hypervigilance hyper and add doors to the walls I've been around. Let me try that again. I want to lay down my hypervigilance and add doors to the walls I have built around myself so I can control who comes in and when I go out. So there's my list as it stands. Um, I even, I was editing and changing and moving things as I was writing up these notes. So I'm sure it'll change again. Um, and I've decided that my top three are safety slash security, exploration and friendship and family. And after that, if I wanted to do a top five, I would add fun slash play and communication. Um, like I said before, this whole process has been incredibly healing for me. And if you haven't defined your values for yourself, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Don't forget, you can also take Cammie's course that she mentioned. Um, I just think that, and you know, this, this, this process could look different for everyone. Um, I looked at a list on Google and um, sort of use that as a guide, but maybe you already kind of have an idea of what they are and you just haven't sat down to think about, do these still align with who I am and who I want to be? Um, and maybe all of the values that you, um, have, have had and 
um, reference to this point or use to inform your life to this point, uh, maybe they're all good. I don't know. Um, your process, what I'm trying to say is your process doesn't have to look like my process. Um, and that goes for something like this, but that goes for everything too. Um, that's been one of my main takeaways from ACA is like, there's so many different things that you can do. There's so many different avenues you can take. Um, you can work the workbooks, you can read the big red book, you can, um, you can start study groups, you can have a sponsor, you can, whatever, there's all different things that you can do. Um, but it's not going to look the same for everyone. And, um, there's no one size fits all to figuring out your shit. Yeah. So, um, you know, before I go, the warrior goddess is, uh, calling to me. So let's see. Okay. The quote uh, from Mandy Hale, letting go doesn't mean you stop caring. It means you stop trying to force others to. How do I make my partner love me? How do I get my boss to value me? How do I make my kids appreciate me? What do all these questions have in common? They ask how we can change other people. And the truth is that we can't. What we can do is let go of our need for approval, our need for love, and our desire to make others act in a way that we predetermine. We are not responsible for others' thoughts or actions. While it's perfectly appropriate to want to be appreciated, you don't have to be upset that your boss doesn't value you. You don't even have to be upset that your partner doesn't love you, as radical as that sounds. Once you let go of expectations, you can either stay or leave, but you have dropped the weight of demanding that things be any other way than how they are. Today's mantra, I'm letting go of my need for approval. I'm letting go of my expectations to change others. You know what? What a great place to wrap it up. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for those of you who continue to show up to listen. Um, especially when it's just these episodes that are just me. Um, I have a couple more guests in the works, so stay tuned for that. Um, I am thankful for Jess Walker who did the cover art for the podcast and uh, I have more ways to get in touch with Jess. Um, they have a website with merch and stickers and they do all kinds of beautiful digital art, um, intuitive art. It's, it's, it's very cool. So I'm going to, I've, I've only ever um, put their email in the show notes, but I'm going to add uh, Instagram, TikTok and a website, I think. And um I am grateful or also thankful for Doug Halliday, excuse me, who did the music. And I would be extra thankful for a five-star review. And I'll uh, go gobble. I'm out of here. Bye.